0: Alright, well, looking forward to jumping into the scriptures. We're in James chapter 2, you can open there. As we always say, our our service is open to everyone, and I think everyone got a little bit bigger because now we're going to live stream our our services onto Facebook Live, which means uh, those who can't make it on a given Sunday, or somebody who has never been here and likes to see what we're doing, can actually watch us from home, so... I'm not encouraging you to stay home and watch it from home, but for other people who can't be here, uh, it's a great opportunity. But we are talking about faith in the new year, faith in the new year, James chapter 2, verses 14 to 26, uh, continuing our, our whole sermon series from James, Just four weeks right here in January, about wisdom from the new year, and uh, this week we're talking about putting your faith into action, putting your faith into action, which is a really a big theme In the book of the letter of James, Uh, this year, friends, our my prayer, my hope is that our faith gets more and more so put into action, more and more so lived out, that it bears more fruit, that it impacts our community all the more so. And when I say that, I I say that as someone who thinks that FBC is an awesome church, (laughs) and I love it here, and I feel like our church is filled with genuine believers. I feel like it's a loving. Uh, community, uh, it's an active community, but I still feel like we're just scratching the surface, that we can go and do even more so uh, for God's kingdom, that we can change our city and reach more folks for Jesus. And I hope that's the case as we start here in 2018. You've heard, been pray- I've been praying that this year would be the most evangelistic year that our church has seen, and we've had a lot of years. So that's a big prayer. It's a really big prayer because we've had 252 years before this one. Uh, but perhaps God would do something truly remarkable but that's not going to happen friends unless we really do take our faith and put it into action as we consider wisdom and what it means to have wisdom in this new year consider how can you put your faith more and more so into action in this new year james chapter 2 14 to 26 it'll be up on the screen as well we read this what good is it my brothers When she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body, apart from the spirit, is dead, so also faith, apart from works, is dead. It's calling here, Francis, to put your faith into action. To put your faith into action. This outline in your bulletin, as always, if you want to take notes or see where we're going. But verses 14 to 17, he says here, Use your faith to serve in ministry. Use your faith. Put your faith into action by serving others and ministering to others. He so ask the question here, what good is it to have faith but to not have works? So really two questions. First of all, what good is it? What benefit, what value is it to have faith and not have any living out of it? And second of all, can that actually save you? Can you, ha- can you be saved by a faith that does not have works? Um, and that's really his question. Actually, the, the, the answer is clearly no in both of them. Um, it, it's, it's not so clear in English, but in Greek you can ask a question uh, in such a way in which you are kind of basically saying the answer is no. It's almost rhetorical. No, you cannot. Uh, that such a faith is not of any benefit. And no, you cannot be saved by a faith does not, that does not have works. And he gives the example of meeting a brother or sister... Um, So it's probably a Christian brother or sister in this particular case. Um, Somebody who is in need of clothes. And somebody who is hungry. And you see them in their needs and you say to them, peace, be warm, be well fed. I have faith that God's going to take care of all of your needs. And then you let them out the door. Without doing anything to actually help them. And his question is very simple. What good is that? What good is that when he goes home and is in the freezing cold, or doesn't have a home, let's say he's homeless. We, I think it's an apropos illustration when you think of how cold it has been, not this last week but before that. And there are folks here in our own city who are sleeping out in tents. Um, and there are people who are, who are homeless, living under the bridge. What good is it to say to them, I hope you stay warm, and let them out the door. Or those who are hungry and say, I hope you get lots of food. <laughs> and don't do anything to actually provide for them. Don't do anything to actually help them. One commentator says it's easy to see analogies that James has seen today. If a friend is unemployed, false faith says, hang in there, the Lord will provide. If a single mother with small children is sick, false faith says, take it easy, don't do too much, we're thinking of you. But doesn't do anything to actually help them. He says that kind of faith in a sense, quote-unquote, faith, that has no compassion, that is ungenerous, that is inactive, is really just dead. So, of course, this should strike a little bit of a a weird tune uh, for you because I thought we're saved by faith alone, right? We're saved by God's grace through faith alone. Uh, This has been, of course, a a big issue, this passage in James. Are we saved by faith or by works? And uh, this is one one of the issues that the Christian church, of course, has struggled with is that relationship between faith and works. And I like the way Luther puts it, it's like sitting on a horse. Uh, You can fall off on either side of the horse. You have to have it in balance, otherwise you'll fall off on the left or you'll fall off on the right. On one side, you fall off on the work side, you fall off on the side of legalism. As if works are what actually saves us and all we need is to be a good person. We end up with a certain works righteousness. On the other side is the antinomian. Uh, It's the person who says, you don't need any works. All you need to do is just have this intellectual assent about Jesus, and that's all it takes. And it leads to cheap grace, or easy believism. That term, cheap grace, was uh, coined by uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a pastor, theologian in Germany during World War II. He was initially killed by Hitler uh, for his work against uh, the Nazi regime. And he defined cheap grace as the grace we bestow on ourselves. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ, living and incarnate. It's just sort of a, just believe it. Just say you believe, say a prayer, and that's all it takes. That's never what the scripture actually says. Genuine faith, always and notice that, friends, not sometimes, not usually, not mostly, most of the time, always results in a changed life. Always, or it's not real faith. That's James's point. Actually, the idea is that when we come to faith in Jesus, we're born again. And the Holy Spirit indwells within us. And He is showing Himself, God's very presence, through the fruit that our life bears. And without that fruit, there's no evidence that there's real or genuine faith in at it all, it's good. Uh, we're talking about this on uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, birth. Uh, this is a celebration this weekend. Uh, what did Martin Luther D- King do? He had a faith in the Lord, but he lived it out and believed it should transform our culture against racism. Famously said, "Of course, I have a dream that my four children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character." You believe that a faith without works is dead. And that faith is to, call, is to be active. Now here's the point, friends. Uh, there are some who sort of still teach this antinomian view today. Uh, so there are people who teach that all it takes is this intellectual assent, just to believe. No changed life. No works are necessary as long as you just say that you believe. And it's insidious and it's still around. But perhaps more dangerous than those who actually come out and teach that is the practical of those who live that way, who live in such a way in which our faith actually does has makes no real change or impact in our, in our lives. I'd encourage this year. Commit this year to put your faith into action. Put your faith into action. Now, of course, it starts with faith. So he's not just saying it's all about work. he's saying it starts with faith. Uh, you can't do this without the grace of God. You can't do this without trusting in the Lord Jesus as Savior and Lord. But then you take that faith and you put it into action. It changes your life. It's kind of like you've been given a gift. You know, this, this beautiful, brand new Aston Martin. Because I'm a big James Bond fan, right? But you leave it in your garage and never take it out for a spin. <laughs> No, no, the faith is a gift that God has given you. It's something that you now have. Trust in the Lord Jesus, a relationship with Him. But if you never actually do anything with it and put it into action and live it out, then it's no good at all. We're called to put it to use. Friends, maybe your faith has, isn't necessarily dead, but it's dormant. It's a sleepy faith. God calls us to take that faith and now put it into action to live it out. Even taking James' very specific example here of this person coming to us with various needs, whether that's clothes or food. And what do you do about it? There's opportunities regularly to serve. Uh, Just recently we've had, uh, last week we took our deacon's offering. As I said, that goes to help clothe those in our church who may be cold or help pay for their heat or put food on their table are you generous we are also given to the pregnancy care center it's another opportunity to serve those who are in need as these pregnant moms come to them with all different types of needs whether that's prenatal vitamins or strollers or whatever it is are you helping provide for them are you giving more than just your your money have you given your time to serve we have the Open Hearts Meal every week. It's an opportunity. We open the doors to our community. We serve 100, 200 meals to people who are hungry. We're always in need of more volunteers. So if you'd like to volunteer to come and serve in our soup kitchen, then please. Someone in the congregation needs help moving. Are you one of those people that shows up? Or are you the one of those people that says, I hope everything works out great for you? <laughs> are you willing to help serve, uh, make a meal for somebody who is Shut in or somebody who's gone through a sickness. Are you willing to help give somebody a ride who needs a ride? Friends, are we willing to put our faith into action? Friends, actually this is part of our discipleship steps as a church. I have a little picture about this here. Hopefully you've heard this before. But these are what we would hope each of the people in our congregation, each member of our church... uh, it, uh, sort of this is the progression we hope everyone goes in. So it starts with coming here on Sundays, and so you guys have got that down right now. Right? You're here on a Sunday to worship, and that's extremely important. Uh, this is what Christians around the world are doing every one day a week to gather to worship the Lord. It's what they've done for 2,000 years to hear from His Word, to pray together. And that's what we want to be where it begins, but it doesn't end there. Uh, from there, do you become a member? Uh, we add that because it's important to then make a commitment. Uh, to, to sort of recognize where your faith is at If your trust is in the Lord Jesus And to be willing to commit to a church family Then get involved into a community group And we encourage everyone to get involved In a community group As I said, Sunday morning is one part of what happens All throughout the week I think every day of the week we actually have Some community group group going on Maybe not Saturday, that's about it Every day of the week there's something going on At least once a month It's an opportunity to get involved in deeper fellowship With fellow Christians, brothers and sisters But then step four, find a ministry to serve in. It's not enough just to be on the receiving end of ministry from others. Are you also on the serving end? Are you taking the gifts and the spiritual gifts that God has given you, the time, the talents, the abilities that he's given you, and then using them to serve others? I like Rick Warren. He loves his acronyms, but this is a good one. Shape. Do you know your shape? Shape. And S-H-A-P-E stands for spiritual gifts. That's the S. Your heart, your passion. A is your abilities. What are you capable of doing? Your personality, a ministry that fits your personality. And then E is your experiences. Taking all that into account, where does God want you to serve? Faith in, James envisions a faith that is put into action. A faith without any action is a dead faith. Look at verses 18 to 19. He says, Beware of faith that is merely knowledge. A faith that is merely knowledge. He warns of the danger of defining saving faith as merely head knowledge. Uh, He says here, uh, Someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Now if you're listening carefully, You realize he kind of put that, It sounds like he put it backwards, right? He should have said, Someone says, You have works, I have only faith. But I think that's not really his point, Is, to, is you know, who's arguing with who. His point is to say, someone would try to separate the two. Is if you can have works and not have faith, you can have faith and not have true works. And he's saying that's impossible. Uh, if you want to prove it, he says here, um, you can have a certain intellectual assent that doesn't change your life, certainly, but I can have a faith that can be shown through what I'm doing. He even says here, imagine you say, you, you, you know, have faith that there is a God Or literally it says That God is one So you claim that You make that sort of Propositional claim That there is one God. actually he's using a, a, a very important theological truth there This is a prayer And a, a central teaching of uh, Israel For thousands of years It's called the Shema uh, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Hear O Israel The Lord our God The Lord is one Central teaching to all of Scripture. And he's saying, so you believe that. You have faith that there is one God. And look what he says next. You do well. The demons believe that as well. In fact, the demons know it all too well. <laughs> he says the demons know that there's one God and they shudder in fear of Him. Perhaps you don't even do that much This is the point. A mere intellectual assent does nothing to save. For the demons there's no repentance There's no hope There's no changed life There's no love for God Or love for Christ In fact the rest of the Shema Notice he leaves out the rest of the Shema Hear O Israel the Lord our God The Lord is one You shall love the Lord your God With all your heart and soul and strength Something the demons clearly do not do When we say friends I believe in God The point is not I believe that he exists But that I trust Him And that my hope is in Him That I love Him And this relationship I have with Him Has changed my life You think about it friends Wisdom is applied knowledge It's applied knowledge It's it's knowledge that changes your life Uh, So this fits right into the idea of wisdom There are plenty of smart people Who are not wise You can be smart and not wise You can have plenty of knowledge And not be a wise person I'm a, a big Jeopardy fan. Any Jeopardy fans here? Oh yeah, I just got a couple some some Jeopardy fans here. Um, I'm really good at Jeopardy, I think, except when it comes to opera and pop culture. I don't know anything about those. So if there's a category on opera, if there's a category about you know, music singers today or something like that, I just basically tune out and Jessica kills me on those categories. So no good at that. But here, here's the point, friends. You can have all the knowledge. You can be a Jeopardy champion and not be wise because it's just in the head. It hasn't changed your life. The same way friends, I love a good theological debate. <laughs> I can get into a good theological debate, no problem. We can debate predestination and free will all day. all right and I could, I could, I could t- tell you all the different uh, views and how they 've worked out historically and uh, all the intricacies of each of the views and we can debate whether we are everything is predestined by God or God gives us free will and whether we can choose God or whether he just chooses us, and we can debate that all day. We can debate. Old earth versus new earth. You know, how old is this planet that we live in? Does the scriptures allow for an old earth? Does the scriptures say, no, the earth is only 6,000 years old? Or what does it say about that? And we could talk about Adam and did God know Adam's going to fall? And did he plan his fall? And we could have all these great theological debates. But here's my question for you and for me. Are you willing to die for Christ right now? Or more importantly, are you willing to live for him? Are you willing to go anywhere that he calls you to go? Are you willing to give up your time and your resources to minister to others? Because that's what really matters and that's what real true faith does. Now understand, let's be a church family that does both. (laughs) Let's be a church family that does both. Let's make sure that our theology is in order. uh, That it's not, we don't have this sort of wishy-washy view of God. We don't want that either. We don't want to have less than the demons, right? I mean, that's not his point, uh, is that the demons have this knowledge and therefore that knowledge is not important. No, you don't want to have less knowledge of God than the demons. The point is, there's no love for God, there's no changed life. So let's let's make sure our theology is in order, but let's make sure we live it out. That we're willing to go to the mission field. Like Alessandra said, well, it's for God, so I think I love it. (laughs) Are we willing to speak up for Christ and be a witness for Him? Are we willing to give generously? Are we willing to lose some sleep? Are we willing to take a vacation day to do some ministry? Are we willing to live this out? I mentioned that I hope that 2018, 2018... Is the most evangelistic year we faced, and that's a big, huge prayer. Let's see what God does with it. Um, but it's going to take more than just prayer. Prayer is ex- extremely important, but it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take commitment. It's going to take work. It's going to take time. It's going to take a faith, a faith that is lived out. Actually, I actually have a video. Just to think, we're in New England. Uh, New England is pro- is right now considered, I think, the least churched. That's kind of the term they used. Least Christian, I guess you could say. Least church area of the United States. And growing more and more so, by the way. Uh, so what would it take to reach an area that is so uh, steeped in a lack of faith in God? It's going to take people who are willing to serve the Lord, commit to serving Him and be devoted to Him. I have this video. I'll show this to you. I'm not sure what in that video surprised you. I think for me, one of the things is if you're here and you're committed to this church, you're one of, you're one of the four, 4% that, are, that go to an evangelical church in New England. That's it, 4%. Uh, I was surprised how low atheists, that's only 5 only 5% of people actually claim that there is no God. Friends, the point being, if we do really want to reach our city, and we want to reach our neighbors and friends, it's going to take commitment, it's going to take time, it's going to take sacrifice and service to him. A faith that is alive. A faith that's put into action. And in 20 to 26... He says here, learn from good examples of faith. To learn from good examples of faith. He says here, uh, do you want to be shown, you foolish person? Uh, He's not trying to insult you, uh, I don't think, there. Uh, That's a typical uh, way of arguing. A diatribe it's called back then in the first century. uh, To sort of have a a person that you're arguing against. this person that you're uh, trying to knock down their argument. But he says here, do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? And then he gives three examples of a faith that's lived out. Or maybe two and a half examples. So you can kind of judge for yourself. But it gives some examples of faith that is lived out. Faith that is active. The first one is Abraham. Uh, Abraham, he says, believed God and was counted righteous. So Abraham was an early, early uh, patriarch. Abraham trusted the Lord. He left his country and his home and his family to go where God showed him. Uh, and so his faith began. And But later on in his life, Genesis 22, God does what is almost unthinkable. God calls him to sacrifice his own son, his one and only son, the son of his old age, Isaac. And God had already promised him that the whole of your blessings are to come through your son. He only has one son. He's 100 years old, actually 100 something years old at the time. And yet God uses this, it says, very clearly as a test. Will you trust God or trust in yourself? And Je- uh, Abraham shows his faith, demonstrates his faith by what he does. He's willing to offer his son up, Isaac up as a sacrifice. Of course God stops him. It does not allow him to sacrifice his son. In fact God never ever calls us to sacrifice uh, our children. Even though that was a common pagan practice for many many years. He's never actually would want us to do that. He clearly says from the beginning this was a test for Abraham. A test that Abraham passed. Because his faith was shown in his actions second example is Rahab. Rahab is a Canaanite. She's a a citizen of the city of Jericho. And uh, in Joshua 2, God's people, the Israel, sends some spies to the city of Jericho. And Rahab welcomes them into her house, recognizes that God is at work here. And then she secretly sends them out back home so that they're not captured and killed. And knowing that this would Perhaps cost her her life if she was caught. That there was great danger in what she was doing. But she, because of her faith in the God of the Bible, the God of Israel, was willing to let that faith be shown in actions. And then the third one, or the the half one, is he talks about the body and the spirit. He says the spirit uh, without the body is dead. The body without the spirit is dead. Uh, We see that all the time. When the spirit comes out of a body, that body is dead. We see it at every funeral. There is a body there. But it's not the person we knew and we loved. So it is that works without faith is also dead. I love the diversity of these illustrations. I think that's important. You have a man and a woman. So one's Abraham, one's Rahab. You have a Jew and a Gentile. Actually, Abraham would be more than just that. He would be sort of the patriarch, the first patriarch of Israel. He's like the George Washington of Israel. And then you have an immoral woman, a prostitute. And yet both are saved by grace through faith that is demonstrated by their lives. Friends, I think it's important that he gives us examples of faith, and I would just encourage you to always be looking for good examples of faith. I think that's one of the reasons why being part of a local church is so important too, because we get to watch examples of faith. That's so important for us. As I mentioned, this is our 253rd year as a church. That's a lot of years. And uh, over that time, we've seen plenty of godly men and women faithfully serve the Lord, even unto death. And I've been able to watch over the last however many years, 10 years, 15 years, many people faithfully serve the Lord until the day they pass pass on from this world. Examples of faith encourage us, they strengthen us, they enable us to see someone. Being faithful to the end. And I would just encourage you too to read good biographies as well. To, of people who have been faithful to the Lord. Uh, I don't just read theology. Uh, I love theology. But there's also great biologies of Christians of all different types. Um, I just read a biography of uh, Bear Grylls. Anyone know who Bear Grylls is? Man vs. wild, He was a believer himself. And just watched his faith of Tolkien. Uh, great biography of Tolkien. And how serious he took his faith. I was really encouraged. About how serious his faith was. And how much that really did impact him. Of Chip Gaines. Everybody knows who Chip Gaines is right? Chip and Joanna Gaines. So Chip Gaines wrote a a little bit of a short biography. It's always good to read different people. And see their faith. And I even think about the founder of our church. So 250 something years ago. A Baptist preacher. Actually he was a reformed. Calvinistic Baptist preacher. So sorry Teddy. But uh, he and I would agree. But uh, uh, that preached 250 something years ago. And started this church. And this is actually a great biography. It's in the library. This is my own Copy, but uh, just interesting to read about the founder of our church, and just a couple of quotes from him. Uh, one thing, this is so. There's a biography, and then there's his journals. Uh, a little bit about Hezekiah Smith. Those who don't know, uh, he is. This is what said about him. He was equally at ease when speaking to an audience of rough backwoodsmen as he was when preaching to the elite at Savannah or Charleston. In fact, he often used the same sermons. That's a rare preacher who can preach to both groups with no problem. It says also, in addition to his regular church engagements, the young pastor often preached to the slaves of his church members in the 1700s. We read this, uninvited and unwelcome, the new Baptist preacher found a group of interested persons in Haverhill and molded them into the first permanent Baptist church of any significance in the area north of Boston. That's this, that's us right here, still 250 years later. In fact, by 1783, the church was the fifth largest Baptist church in New England, having 190 members. The church was, from the beginning, the largest congregation in the Warren Association, remained so for many years. And then uh, two more. At one time, those are school teachers here. At one time, he was the chairman of the school committee in his section of Haverhill. In fact, the first written school report in the history of the town was presented by Smith in 1798. And one last one. Uh, obviously well versed in the scriptures. Smith used texts from every book of the Bible. He preached from every book of the Bible. Except Philemon. I don't know why. I like Philemon. Philemon's is a great book by the way. I don't know. If he had another year of life he probably would have preached Philemon. That's the only book he didn't preach. With the Psalms, Isaiah and the Gospel of John. Each being used on over 400 different occasions. He's faithful to the Lord. And that's why he planted a church here. And Here we are 250 years later. A great example of faithfulness to us but most importantly friends I think we find our examples of faithfulness from the scriptures we hear from the word regularly men and women being faithful to the Lord we read it regularly on our own and hopefully it strengthens our faith when we think of these specific illustrations that he gives here what do we learn about faith in those faith put to action first that faith trusts God even with our loved ones as Abraham did which I think is where it becomes most difficult to trust the Lord isn't it <laughs> Trusting the Lord with your kids and your grandkids your parents or your spouse. He's the one who ultimately is in control. They're in his hands, not in our own. And sometimes he does, like Abraham, test us in our faith and our trust in him. Is our faith strong enough to be put into action when that happens? Or with Rahab, faith trusts God even with big consequences on the line. (laughs) When life and death is on the line. When your whole future is on the line, when your job is on the line, are you willing to trust them? Is your faith put into action? I think it's, what we see here with Rahab is she does what's right. She does what she knows to be right, regardless of the consequences. Friends, whenever you're presented with a question and, and you know what's right to do, but you're kind of looking at the consequences and you're saying, I don't know if I like the consequences of doing what's right here. Just do what's right and trust the Lord with the consequences, what Rahab does. Or as we see in that last half illustration, faith lives this out. That faith without works is as good as dead. That this faith is not a game. It's not a hobby. It's not just something we put on for show. Faith is what we live out. It's not like Monopoly. You know, when you play Monopoly, you, get, you, you make all this, you build all these hotels and houses, and then what happens at the end of the game? It all goes back in the box. Right? <laughs> Has no real effect. No, faith is the real deal. We live it out. Friends, put your faith into action this new year. Put your faith into action. Uh, Not your own willpower. Not your personal resolve. Not your moral fortitude. (laughs) Not your own strength or intellect. Your faith. Your trust in the Lord Jesus. A faith, a gift from God. The fact that you are now in a relationship with our Creator. Put that into action. Don't just let it sit there idle. Make sure you're learning, you're pushing, you're growing, you're going. Serve him this year. Serve him at Open Heart. Serve him on a missions trip. Serve him in kid town. Talk to people that you know about the Lord Jesus. Join a community group for the first time. If that's something you haven't done, give generously till it hurts. Be willing to put it into action. Imagine a great king a great and mighty king who has many subjects and you're one of those subjects and you claim loyalty to this great king and then he gives you a mission he sends you into battle he gives you a job to do will you go or will you not? Really, the question of whether that loyalty is real or not is whether you'll go if you don't go it shows there was no real loyalty to the king to begin with but if you do go it demonstrates your loyalty to this king. In fact, this is what Jesus said. We'll end with this. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. This is how he describes him. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. Think of our open hearts meal, for example, or a senior luncheon. I was a stranger and you welcomed me, which is kind of our, our verse for our greeters here as people come to join us. I was naked and you clothed me. can't tell you how many times I've been here where somebody comes in off the street a pair of, needing a pair of shoes or a winter coat. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. <laughs> right now we have, we have a guy in, who's in Brentwood Prison doing ministry. And I know we have folks that we, who write let, letters regularly to those in prison. The righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, As you did it to one of the least of these brothers, you did it to me. Friends, May 2018, may this new year be a year that we as a church all the more so put our faith into action. Would you pray with me? Our gracious God, we thank you so much for the gift of faith. That we are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. That we believe that Christ died for sins according to the scriptures. That he rose according to the scriptures. That our faith is in his finished and perfect work for us on the cross. But we're also grateful, Father, that this faith does not sit dormant or idle or dead. But this faith changes us that our trust in the Lord Jesus transforms us, that we are adopted as your children, we are filled with your Holy Spirit, and that makes us new men and new women. And Lord, as we think about this new year, 2018, we pray, Father, that our faith would be all the more so put into action. That we'd be all the more so ready to serve and to minister, to help others, to tell people the good news, to give up our time, to give up our resources, to give up our energy to serve you, the King. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much for First Baptist. Thank you for the faithful ministry that has been going on and has been going on for so long and that is going on regularly, Lord. But we pray for all the more so by your grace, Lord, in this upcoming year, you would do a mighty work here in our church family, putting faith into action. And we ask this all in Christ's name, amen. Amen.